Well, it's my pleasure today to introduce our speaker, Dr. McMullen, and um, I guess I get to be qualified to do the, the introduction because I have survived the McMullen trilogy, and, um, <laughs> and also because I make up the order of service, so I get to <laughs> choose what I want to do, and I wanted to do this one. So the first course I got from Dr. Steve was evangelism, and it was probably the most... Um, inspiring course that I had taken to that point and he was the one that made made the connection for me that I could use dance as a form of evangelism and that just opened up a whole world so I thank you for that those of us who have survived the McMullen trilogy I think um, agree on certain aspects of, that we enjoy from his teaching number one for me is the fact that he is so grounded in scripture it's solid, it never changes, it's there but yet he brings it so to today and makes it completely relevant in our ministry today. Um, secondly, the fact that everything we do in his courses is applicable to our ministry. I mean, we take our final paper and literally can apply it. So that is awesome too. And thirdly, that he has such awesome stories. <laughs> and I don't know about the rest of you, but do you not think it would be totally cool to be the fly on the wall in a room with Dr. Gardner and Dr. McMullen, just the two of them sitting there and sharing stories and we just get to listen? I think that would just be the most awesome. That would be amazing, wouldn't it? Yeah. I don't know who would win out there, but... <laughs> It would really be good. So I'd like to invite you up, Dr. McMullen, to give us the message, and we look very forward to hearing you. Thank you. Thank you. Now, you should know that there are students that have outdone you, because in Fredericton I've been teaching a fourth course, so I have some students in that, that this is their fourth time around. So they're, you know, they're survivors. Yeah. One thing I want to say as I begin, before I begin really this morning, and that is to say how much I appreciate the opportunity to worship with you. Um, if there's one thing that I continually think about, and I don't know if you realize this, being here on campus, there's one thing I continue to think about that is my, um, my certainly my single biggest um, frustration of the world, but sense of loss in living in New Brunswick. Now, in many ways, I'm glad to be living in New Brunswick and working with students there and all of those things, <coughs> but I miss worshiping with you people. It's not that I don't worship and so on, but it is good to see you and be with you in this context of worship, because in so many ways, I think it really defines who we are. We, re we really are worshipers as followers of Jesus. And um, I, I wasn't planning to say this this morning, but it just it struck me as we were singing here this morning, and, and, and what a privilege it is for me to be with you. I mean, you're, you're students, most of you have had me in a class, you've had to endure it, and all, all those <laughs> stories and so on. But I just think what a privilege it is to be able to be here to worship with you. And I know that I do that from time to time when I'm here teaching, but it uh, just really hit me this morning that it's a real privilege, so I just want to say that. I want to think about this calling that we have from Jesus and really how it is a calling that um, relates to his legacy in our life and our legacy in the lives of others. <coughs> and it, it made me think, as I started thinking about this theme, made me start thinking about my own life and my own ministry and, and the ways in which from time to time I have done something and uh, that's, that's very meaningful. 
Because whenever I do it, it helps me to look at my life from a whole different perspective and a perspective that I really need. And that is that I think of some of the people whose lives have had the greatest impact for good on my life. Um, The people who have shown me by the way that they live what it means to follow Jesus. And I suspect that you can think of those people as well in your own life. There are people whose lives have taught me a great deal about living the Christian life. There are people who loved, people who gave, people who welcomed others into their lives, people who clung to God as they walked through the valley of the shadow of death, and I had the privilege of of seeing how they did that. And there are people for whom I'm so very thankful as I think of their character and the impact that they have had on my life and really on my ministry to others as well. And I was thinking that they may or may not have had a great deal of skill and talent. I think, for example, of one Sunday school teacher that I had as a teenager, grade 9 boys class. I'm guessing that, you know, they drew straws and, you know, he got the short one. And what I would say is that some weeks we were bored silly. He was a boring person. You know, as I think back to him as a teacher, at least that was my thinking as a grade 9 boy. And, you know, looking back now and probably looking back for the last 30 years or so of my life, I would say that I would have to rank him as in my top ten of people whom I have known whose Christian life has influenced my life. In other words, maybe he was a better teacher than I thought he was at the time. Now, don't get me wrong, I think the lesson plan thing he was horrid at. But the life lessons, the watching how he depended on Jesus... He did a good job at that. He wasn't much of a skilled teacher, but he lived the life. As bad as we were in his class, and I think we were pretty bad, he loved us. He loved us. His life was lived in a way that showed us that the Christian life is real. And so just for a moment or two this morning, I'd like you to think about the Christians that you have known who have had the most profound impact on your lives, on your understanding of the Christian life, and what it means to you to live a life of following Jesus. Who are the people who showed you that the Christian life is worth living? What was it about their lives that made a difference? Maybe it was a parent, maybe it was a pastor, maybe a children's ministry worker, a youth leader, a neighbor, a fellow Divinity College student. Who are the people whose lives have made a difference in your life? And what was it about their lives? How have others encouraged you or inspired you, or taught you about living for Christ? How have others been an example or an inspiration to you to follow Christ more closely? And then, of course, the question is, what difference is my life making in the lives of others? 
Will there be others who will look back and say that your life or my life is in that top ten? That we were an influence in their lives to follow Jesus and to follow Him more closely and to understand more fully what it means to live that life, to live out that calling. Will the people sitting beside you in chapel today say that of you? Will the youth you work with each week or the people with whom you minister see Jesus in you in a life-transforming way? Will they? And so I want to challenge you to think today about the life that Jesus has called us to live as His followers. Jesus has called us to follow Him. He has called us to a Christian life, to a new life. He's called us to be His body, the church, in the midst of this world. Ephesians 4 talks about that calling and challenges us to live lives that are worthy of the calling that we have received. And those words challenge me. Sometimes I have wrestled with this passage, and in particular this phrase, live a life worthy of the calling that you've received. Sometimes when I read that, I think I just want to give up before I start. Live a life worthy of the calling you've received. I wonder how we can ever live a life that's worthy of our calling. How can I live a life that is what it should be in God's eyes? How can, I, how can I be who I should be in God's eyes? The very fact that we've been called to follow Jesus is an act of God's grace. It has nothing to do with our worthiness. Living life worthy of the calling has nothing to do with our worthiness. In fact, it has everything to do with our unworthiness, our need, our inability to live up to live as we ought to live. It has everything to do with the fact that we have a Savior who loves us and died for us while we were sinners. None of us are followers of Jesus because we met the criteria that qualified us for the job. In calling us to be His followers, Jesus forgave our sin. He brought about a new birth in us. He made us new creations. And for those things to be possible, the Son of God who is worthy, the Son of God, became human, suffered, died to atone for our sins, arose from death in victory, ascended as King of kings and Lord of lords, as His followers... How can we live a life worthy of that? And of course, wrestling with that question, it helps, first of all, to focus on what this passage does not say. The Bible talks not so much about what God wants me to do as it talks about who God wants me to be. In fact, really, who He has made me to be. These verses talk about my character, my relationships, my new understanding of myself in light of who God is and in light of the church that He is building. And this passage does not say 
meet these expectations, accomplish these achievements. When God asks us to live a life worthy of our calling, He's not asking us to earn His approval. He has already accepted us by His grace. And second, I think that these people that I asked you to think about, I think of those people that, you asked, that I asked you to think about. People whose lives had such a profound influence on my life and hopefully on yours as well. And I asked myself the simple question, who do I know who has lived a life worthy of their calling? Who are the people that come to my mind that I think they have lived a life worthy of their calling? And what has that meant? And it hasn't meant that they have sort of lived up to worldly expectations. It's very much about their own dependence on the grace of God. And third, I think of the kind of life that, kind of life that I would like to live for the Lord. And as I read this passage, I ask myself very practical, practically, am I willing to be that kind of person? When I think about what, it would, what, what would it mean for me, for you? What would it mean to live a life worthy of the Lord's calling? Really, for me the question is, am I willing to be that kind of person? Have I put a bunch of roadblocks in the way? Or am I willing to be that kind of person? Am I? And what would it take for me to be that kind of person? This passage tells us a great deal about the kind of people who live up to that calling. They are people whose character honors the Lord. They are people who put their relationship with the Lord and their relationships with others ahead of other things. They are people who understand the importance of the church and see its spiritual significance. They are people who, who see God's redemptive purpose being brought about through His church. They see that life is about God, not about me. Our one God and Father of all is the center of the universe, not us. A life that is worthy of our calling as Christians is not about our worthiness. It is about understanding the things that are worth living for and living for those things. A life wasted on things that don't matter is not worthy of the great calling that we have received. Again, just say that again. A life wasted on things that don't matter. And think of the things that don't matter. A life wasted on things that don't matter is not worthy of the great calling that we have received. We need to live our lives for things that are worth it. Things that honor the Lord. Things that will build His church. And that's what I've realized about those people that come to my mind. People who have influenced me to live my life for Christ. It isn't that they were somehow better than other people. They lived for things that mattered. Things that were worth it. 
And their lives were so different and impacted the lives of others so much more because of what they lived for. The problem is that there is within us, within me, a sinful tendency to make the Christian life something less than God wants it to be. Something weaker. Something less noble than what God has in mind. Something less worth living. And when we do that, we are not living a life that is worthy of our calling. We're accepting second best or 15th best or whatever. The Christian life that Ephesians 4 talks about is a life that is worth it. A life that is worthwhile. A life lived with the understanding that the stakes are high. That our character matters. That the church matters. Live a life worthy of the calling you have received. Paul had just written at the end of chapter 3 about the strength God gives to us by His Spirit, about the extent of the love of Christ for us, about the great things that God is able to do through us so that Jesus Christ might be glorified in His church. It is in light of that understanding of the great things that God can do through us that we are reminded to live lives worthy of the calling we've received as Christians. The stakes really are high. We can have the privilege of experiencing the power of God at work among us in ways that are above what we ask or imagine. But sometimes we choose second best or 15th best. Live a life worthy of that calling. Living in light of our calling to follow Jesus means that we live humbly and gently, the Bible says. Humility is about how we see ourselves. Gentleness is about how we see others and how we treat others. Both of those words are very practical. They mean that in our thinking, we are not the center of the universe. We humble ourselves before God. We value other people. We treat them with respect. That shows our understanding of the importance of each person in God's eyes. People matter. They matter enough to the God who created the universe that He sent His one and only Son to suffer and die for our salvation. Such love and grace should humble us before God and show us the importance of love for others. Patience with other people also says something about what we value. To bear with one another in love means that we value people the way that God values them. It means that we have time for people. Time. Bear with one another in love. Sometimes people take time. If we value them, we will take time. Bearing with one another in love means that we don't have unrealistic expectations of people. A life worthy of our Christian calling isn't a life of pride and self-importance. It is a life of humility and gentleness. 
We're told to to maintain or to make every effort to keep the unity of the Spirit. We are told that it is the unity of the Spirit, that the Holy Spirit makes us one as a unified body of the church. Yet that does not relieve us of our responsibility. A life worthy of our Christian calling is a life that seeks to do all that we can do to make the church a community of love and peace and unity. It is a life that understands mutual responsibility. Once again, it it means that not only do do I realize that I'm not the center of the universe, God is. But I also realize I'm not the center of the church universe either. Jesus Christ is Lord of the church. Not me, not you. And instead of trying to please everyone in church, or the other way around, instead of trying to please ourselves in church, we need to seek to please Jesus Christ, who's Lord of the church. Finally, it is a life that sees our Christian calling and sees the church in light of the oneness of our Lord. There is one body and one spirit. We need to see beyond the outward expressions of the church. Buildings and furniture and imperfect people. And we need to see the church's spiritual nature. And see that it is the work of God. It is not just the work of people. It is not just us. The idea that we are called to one hope reminds us that there is a common foundation to our Christian lives no matter who we are. The promises of Scripture, the foundational teaching of the Word of God, the power of the resurrection, our hope, these are the sure foundation of our calling. God hasn't just called us to super experiences and exciting moments. He has called us to that which is unchanging. One body, one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism. I want to live a life that is worthy of my Christian calling. It's a challenge every day. I want to live a life that is worthy of my calling. A life that is lived for the things that are worth living for. What are you living for? Are you living for the things that are worth it? Jesus has called you. He's called you to follow. Are you living up to that calling? What changes will that mean if you take that calling seriously? What changes will it take for your life and my life to have a significant impact on the lives of others in the year ahead, in the decade ahead? What changes will it take for your life to draw people together in unity as part of the church? 
That is the life that Jesus calls me and you to live. That is a life through whom we will see God do more than we ask or imagine according to His power that is at work within us. I've asked for a song here today that I'm guessing that many of you don't know. Um, I was away doing research in the Midwestern United States in a church one Sunday, and I heard the song for the first time, and now I've heard it many, many, many times. Because everywhere I go, I ask people to sing it. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's one of those songs that in a sense sort of sabotaged me. I mean, I was at a congregation doing research. I was an academic. I was getting them to fill out surveys. I was doing focus groups. And then this song hit and made me actually think and think about my calling. And so uh, as we sing this song, um, I hope that it will be in a sense a prayer for us as we uh, ask God to lead us in terms of how we should follow Jesus as part of our call. of this song uh, normally fillets at about two keys about what we're going to sing, which is still pretty high. <laughs> we'll try our best. Say it is a great song. Wait and
Heavenly Father, we are thankful for the privilege, by Your grace, the privilege of following Jesus. We pray that as we live our lives today and each day, we would live lives that are worthy of our calling. That all of the stuff in life, in this world, that just isn't worth it, would not crowd out the things that matter. That we would humble ourselves before You, the Almighty God. That we would love those to whom we have been called. That we might build by Your strength, by Your power, by Your commission, Your church to Your glory. Thanks for one another that we can worship You together. Thanks for the privilege of learning together as a community. And I pray that You would bless our time over the lunch together. Bless the food. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.